somehow, Lord, I'll make it. Somehow, I'm going to carry this old cross all the way. Oh, yeah. Should I stumble or fall? Please, Jesus, heed my call. And by His grace, I know I'll be here. I'll make it somehow yes Lord make it somehow actually we know how don't we don't we know how wasn't it the Lord that woke us up this morning? Wasn't it the Lord that blessed us to have uh, use of our limbs? Wasn't it the Lord that blessed us that our minds were clear or, or clear enough? Amen. Wasn't it the Lord that put food on our tables? Wasn't it the Lord that put clothes on our backs? Wasn't it the Lord that gave us a little money in the bank? Wasn't it the Lord that allowed us to work 46 years and retire and wasn't it the Lord to allow us even if we're still working now to get up every morning and go to work right. it's all about the Lord it's the Lord he's the reason why we made it somehow amen yesterday um, Wayne Richardson had a retirement dinner next door in the fellowship hall and he, you know, he talked about he worked for 46 years can you imagine working 46 years on anybody's job and it's not that he had to work that long. Wayne just worked till he got ready to stop working. But to God be the glory. To God be the glory. He wanted to work. The God, God gave him the clear mind and the physical strength to work, kept him safe. And he had some place to go to work. Amen now. So now he's going to enjoy strength. So it's the Lord that helps us make it somehow. There are times in our lives we truly don't know what to do. We truly don't know, and I, I'm not going to lie and say I've had this experience, but I've heard people give testimonies. They didn't know where their next meal was going to come from. Had a bill, no, they didn't have the money in the bank to pay it. Matter of fact, didn't even have a bank account. But somehow, some way, you know what? Here's how good God is. Everybody's got that testimony. They weren't even saved at the time. There's some folk God has blessed because of somebody else's prayers. God will help us make it somehow. And even when we are saved, the Bible tells us that he doesn't let us go through more than we can handle when it comes to temptation. Because, see, when you get in a desperate situation, that's when temptation will creep in. Because the devil will try to tell you, well, look, here's a shortcut. But the shortcut is wrong. But God, the Holy Spirit, will remind us, no, nah, don't do it that way. Just keep trusting me. Trust in me with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Give it to me in prayer. I'll make it right. And some way or another, the Lord always shows up, shows out, comes through right on time. I look back there just now at Brother Henry. I've been reading his book. You need to get Brother Henry's book and read Brother Henry's book. 
You talking about the Lord making, helping you make it somehow? That man right there is a living testimony. Look, in the war, fought for our country, wasn't treated right, came back, and still had to face all kinds of discrimination. But because he knows a God that sits high and looks low, the Lord helped Brother Henry make it somehow. Come on, let's give God some glory on this morning. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to share your word. And Lord God, use me as you will to preach with clarity and conviction in Jesus' name. Amen. Giving honor to God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Giving honor uh, and recognizing and thanking the Lord for the leadership of this church, uh, our deacons, our trustees, auxiliary heads, for every member of Roanoke-Salem. I thank God sincerely for every member of Roanoke-Salem. I thank God for those of you who are visiting with us today. We're so blessed and honored again to have you with us. And certainly to my sisters and my brother in Christ who more times than not are here with me. But y'all bailed out on me last Sunday. <laughs> they did. Y'all, that's what was wrong with me last Sunday. I was up here by myself. Not near one of y'all was to be seen. Now, now, now Pastor Lofton is excused because she'll pass. She got, but the rest of y'all Negroes. Nah, I know. I know I'm, no, that's what, hap- that's what happened to me. The church family that was here, they'll tell you, I was all mixed up. That's what it was. I was sitting there. I was up here by myself. For the whole service. But he helped me make it. Somehow. Amen. Amen. He helped me make it through somehow. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 really quick. We're going to finish this sermon series. We're finishing this sermon series on um, the Holy Spirit. We're going to finish this sermon series today on the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I'm going to read this from the King James Version. This is what it says. It says, now concerning, this is Paul, the Apostle Paul, writing to the church, the church, the Christians in in the city of Corinth. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, that's everybody, men and women, I would not have you ignorant. Now, if you'll please go down with me to verse number 7. Paul says, but the manifestation, that means the working of the Holy Spirit, is given to every man to profit. It says with all in the uh, King James, but it means for everybody. So the Holy Spirit gives each of us a spiritual gift for everybody's benefit. Verse 8, for to one is given by the Holy Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. Verse 10, to another, the workings of miracle. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, diverse, that means different kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. But verse number 11, but all of these, all of these gifts work worketh that one and the selfsame Holy Spirit, dividing to every person, every man it says, but to every person, severally as he wills. He, he, gives the, he gives these gifts, the Holy Spirit gives these gifts to each one of us as he so chooses. So uh, just for a few minutes, church family, let us reason together from this thought. Your spiritual gift is not for you. Your spiritual gift is not for you. 
If I were to ask the question, Dr. Lawson, how many of us would like to receive gifts, I expect there'd be a lot of hands in the air if we're honest about it. Now, you can sit here and be pious today because you're in church, but you know you like folk to give you stuff because I like folk to give me stuff. Amen. Why? Because when we give gifts, we're hopefully doing something kind for somebody else. But, but when we receive gifts, somebody is doing something kind for us, right? Whatever gifts we give away are for the benefit of the people that we give the gifts to. But whatever gifts we receive are for our benefit. So anytime y'all want to bless me with a Jaguar, I'd be so happy. Don't think I'm going to say, oh, no, that's too much. I can't receive this. The devil is a lie. <laughs> Y'all say, where Reverend Horse? I don't know. Last time we saw him, he was going somewhere up 186. Amen. When we give gifts, we're blessing others. We're being kind to folks. When we receive gifts, people are being kind. Because, look, like my dad used to tell me all the time, ain't nobody got to do nothing for you. So, so we love to receive gifts. Amen. But let's talk about spiritual gifts. Talk about natural gifts. Well, let's talk about spiritual gifts. Now, as Christians, we all believe, we should believe, John 3.16. Miss that day is all right. She's fine. It's good to hear a baby's voice in the church every once in a while. That's, she, she's fine. It's, it's, we all believe John 3.16. John 3.16 says, God... The Father so loved this world, he so loved all of us, that he did what? He gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. And whoever will believe in Jesus shall not perish. When you die, you won't go to hell, but you'll have everlasting life in heaven, right? Okay, so we believe that as Christians. Christians believe that God the Father gave Jesus as a gift. He was a gift to all of us. Why? So that our souls could be saved. Could be saved. He, could re he could redeem us and restore us to himself, the Father, and then so we could have our souls saved. Christians also believe that after Jesus Christ died and rose again, he went back to heaven. But even before he went back to heaven, he had already told the disciples that he was going to ask God the Father to send us God the Holy Spirit in his place. Why? So now when anybody accepts Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit immediately comes to dwell within us. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 19 tells us that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit was sent by God, right? So, so what I always try to make sure we understand, church family, is even when you don't feel saved, and we don't always feel saved, but you're still saved. Amen. Even when you don't feel holy, you're still holy. Even when you don't feel righteous, come on, let's be for real, for real. Even when I don't act righteous, I'm still righteous. That doesn't give me license to sin, but the point I always hope us, to, I always want us to remember is we're not righteous and we're not saved and holy because of what we do. It's because of what Jesus did on that cross. So as long as you have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you, then you have access to God and, and all the promises of God. And see, one of the things the Holy Spirit does is he, he helps us stay on track, right? So when we get saved, the Holy Spirit immediately comes to live within us. Amen. And the Holy Spirit, now let me, let me share this with, with, about this too, because if you read the Bible, you'll see a couple of different ways that the Holy Spirit has, has come to people. Now that Jesus has left the earth completely, not only that Jesus has left, but that the apostles themselves are gone, when we get saved, the Holy Spirit comes immediately. Now, 
When the apostles were still in the earth realm, that was different. He did come, but everybody didn't get the Holy Spirit immediately. I know that's right because if you read the book of Acts for yourself, you will see some, uh, uh, some, you'll see some stories about when people got saved, but they didn't immediately get the Holy Spirit. And then in every case that that didn't happen, it said the apostles laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, some got them immediately. Because the apostles in the 120 got them immediately in the upper room. Nobody laid hands on them. Jesus said that you, the power of the Holy Spirit is going to fall on you, and he did. But there are some other cases in the book of Acts where people did get saved. They confessed Jesus, but they did not immediately receive the Holy Spirit. But now, and, and that's when the apostles put their hands on But now that Jesus is gone, and the apostles, I'm talking about the original apostles, now that they're no longer in the earth realm, when anybody receives Jesus now, he does come immediately. The apostles are not here to lay their hands on anybody anymore. So when we get saved now, the Holy Spirit immediately comes and he dwells with us. Amen. Now, for the last three or four weeks, I've been preaching about the Holy Spirit. And I've shared with you that there are three major works that the Holy Spirit performs in the life of those of us who are saved. First thing he does, I told you, he convicts us and corrects us when we sin. First thing the Holy Spirit does, he convicts us and he corrects us when we sin. The next thing he does is he helps us to live holy. And I talked last Sunday about these uh, nine fruit of the Spirit. That's how the Holy Spirit helps us to live holy. And then the last thing I said the Holy Spirit does is he gives us spiritual gifts to bless people. Amen. That's what I'm going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the fact that he gives us spiritual gifts to bless people. But the main point I want you to remember for what I'm preaching today is your spiritual gift is not for you. Amen. It's not for you. In the last message in this sermon series now, I'm talking about this. And, and um, I want to tell you that why the Holy Spirit gives us spiritual gifts, okay? And it's found right here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and it's verse number 7. It's verse number 7. This is why the Holy Spirit gives us all spiritual gifts. Paul says, now to each one, the manifestation, the evidence of the workings of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is given, he says, for the common good. That's from the NIV version. Over here in the King James, it says, um, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. But in the NIV, it says that uh, he gives the Holy Spirit says, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. The common good simply means he gives us the Holy Spirit because he wants, he, he, the Holy Spirit gives us these gifts because he wants us to use them to bless people. Amen. Some of us have one gift. Some of us may have more than one gift. But all of us can use our gifts to bless each other and to bless other people. Amen now. So that's why I'm saying it's not for you. He gives you a spiritual gift so that you can bless other people. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 12, beginning at verse number 7. And I'm going to share with you this list, or actually verse number 8. And I'm going to share with you some of the, the listing that he gives here of these spiritual gifts. First of all, it says the Holy Spirit gives to some people the gift of wisdom. What is wisdom? Wisdom is insight or revelation often given to solve unusual problems. So wisdom is like having a, a supernatural kind of, of, under, of, of knowledge that you just would not have out your own mind. It's insider revelation that's often given to solve an unusual problem. 
What is knowledge? That's the second gift that's listed there is knowledge. Knowledge is a revelation or insight to know things, to have information that's beyond human understanding. Okay. Wisdom is given to help you be able to figure out problems and solve problems. Knowledge is just information that he gives us that is beyond human understanding. You know, you think about it when uh, Jesus was in the temple and he was teaching, and some of the Pharisees and the scribes, and even the people around that, that, that knew the word of God, they knew the, the, five book, the five first books of the Bible at the time, and they would say, well, how is it that this guy, remember even when Jesus was about 12, 13 years old when he was in the temple and he was talking to the experienced people and those who were supposed to be so spiritually knowledgeable, and they say, he knows stuff that we just can't understand why he knows what he knows. How does he have this understanding? Because he had divine knowledge. He had information that's beyond human mind. A third gift of the Holy Spirit, according to 1 Corinthians 12, is the gift of faith. Faith is the supernatural ability to believe God without any doubt. Now, some of you will probably quickly say, well, Pastor, don't, don't, all, don't we all have a measure of faith? Yes, we do. The Bible says that, that he has given to each one of us a measure of faith. But this faith, according to my research, this faith that is uh, the gift of the Holy Spirit. See, my measure of faith might allow me to believe some things, but not everything. I believe God can do this. I ain't so sure he can do that. Or, or yeah, or I might, I might be sure he can do it, but I'm not sure he'll do it for me. Okay, when you have the gift of faith, you don't doubt anything. You have that kind of faith that you believe if you say, wall, fall right now, that wall's going to fall. That, that, there, there is the measure of faith that everybody gets when even unsaved people have a measure of faith because without it, you couldn't get saved. That's how you believe Jesus in the first place. But the gift, the Holy Spirit gift of faith is a supernatural level of faith where you don't doubt anything. If you go and pray for somebody, you just counting the clock. You just watching your, you just waiting for it. You waiting for somebody to call you back within 24 hours or 48 hours because you know without any doubt how you prayed and what you prayed for is going to be answered. That's the gift of faith. All right, let's keep going. So there's a difference between the measure of faith and the gift of faith. What about healing? Healing is one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Healing is the ability to heal yourself or heal others without medicine or human help. Amen. God has given some people the gift of healing. I know it sounds crazy, one, but it's true. There are folks that can lay their hands on you. There are folks that can pray for you, and you will be healed. There are folks that have enough of the, the supernatural gift of faith that they can heal themselves because they go to the doctor today, and the doctor says, this is what's going on with you, and this is what we're going to do. And you just, that person just simply says, okay, doctor, thank you. And then that person immediately just says within themselves or says out loud, Lord Jesus, I, I lift this up to you, and I thank you that I'm healed. And when they go back to the doctor next week, whatever it was is gone. Doctor can't find a trace of it. We all know people that have that testimony. So, so there is a gift of healing that you are able to heal yourself or heal others supernaturally without medicine or human hands. It's a gift that God gives. What about the gift of miracles? Miracles is the ability to change natural laws, if necessary, to produce a good outcome. Amen. 
the ability to change natural laws. When you have the gift of miracles, that's when stuff just happens when, you in the, when your presence is there. Something is supposed to go crazy and something is going wrong, but because you're in the room, because you're in, right there, just, just, the Lord just does something through you. You don't have to say anything. You don't, have to, you don't have to pray anything. Just your presence. You got that gifting of miracles on you, and your presence can make stuff just change. And, and natural laws don't, will, 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 will contradict themselves because you have that gifting of miracles. Miraculous things happen when you show up. There is a gift of miracles. Another gift of the Holy Spirit, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, is the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy is the ability to speak words that are divinely inspired and not from human reasoning. And, okay, so let me start right there. The gift of prophecy is the ability to speak words that are divinely inspired, they come from God, and they are not out of a human, per, a human mind or human reasoning. What, what is the good, what's the purpose of the gift of prophecy? Three things. It's for exhortation, that's encouragement. It's for comfort. And it's for edification, building up, edifies to build up. Okay, so there is a gift of prophecy as well. Now, there, another gift of the Holy Spirit is the distinguishing or the discerning of spirits. Okay, there is the, 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 the gift of prophecy and then there's the distinguishing or the discerning of spirits. That's the ability to detect unseen spirits and know their plans. You have to know, church family, there are unseen spirits in the earth realm. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir, there are. Well, how come strange stuff don't happen to me? Because you're saved. That's why it doesn't happen to you. When you're not saved, you're open to any kind of spirit that comes your way. But when you are saved, again, let me go back to what I said from the beginning, even when we don't act right, when we're saved, there's a hedge of protection around us. So some of that stuff that would happen to you, that supernatural mess, yeah, there would be stuff moving in your house, except that there are angels in there, and God's got a hedge of protection around you, and when demonic spirits think about showing up in your house, them, those angels are there saying, you ain't coming in here, and, and they go round about their business, because they, they know they can't fight the spirits of the God. They can't fight the angels of God. So, so why, why don't you have crazies? And some of us are living ragged. I mean, come on, for real now. Some of us should have some really crazy stuff happening to us, but it doesn't. Because we're saved and because there's a hedge of protection around us. But you have to understand there are unseen spirits. So the, the, the gift of distinguishing or discerning of spirits is the ability to detect unseen spirits and to know their plans. Amen. Here's another one that it says about unseen spirits too, the, uh, about uh, discerning of spirits. The discerning of spirits is also the ability to read minds. That's scary. But it's a gift. It's a gift. I mean, it sounds scary in the natural, but think about it. Like I said, we get these gifts so we can bless people. There, the discerning of spirits, that gift is also allows you to read minds. Not read minds in the sense that I know everything you're thinking, but at point in times, in situations, yeah, the Lord will reveal to you what folks are thinking. They ain't got to say a word. And what you think they're thinking, that's exactly what they're thinking. They may not say anything right to you out loud, but within a short order, short period of time, you'll see them do what they were thinking. And you already knew they were going to do it because the Lord had already revealed it to you. Amen. Let me finish. Here's some other ones. Another gift of the Holy Spirit is speaking in different tongues. 
in the King James, it says divers, D-I-V-E-R-S, speaking in divers types of tongues. That is the ability to speak in a natural or supernatural language that you don't know, but other people will understand it. Amen. Amen. Let me give you the best example of that from the Bible. On the day of Pentecost, in the upper room, the Bible says that when the Holy Spirit fell upon those 120 people, those 120 people began to speak in foreign tongues or, 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 or other tongues, right? Foreign languages. But here's the thing. The languages were foreign to the people who were speaking them, but they were not foreign to the people who were hearing them. Because what the Holy Spirit was doing was he was testifying, he was using them to testify and praise God and talk about God in the language of all those people. On the day of Pentecost, people would come to uh, Jerusalem from all over, from all kinds of countries. And on that particular day, the 120 and the disciples were in the upper room. When the Holy Spirit fell on them, they began to speak out loud. There was a window in that room, so there was like just an open window, well, open area, not even a window. So there was no net, no glass, no nothing. The people outside on the ground could hear the people up in the, in the, in the room speaking. And they said, these folks said, these folks are, are, they're Hebrews, right? They shouldn't be speaking our languages, but we hear them talking about the Lord in our own language. So, for example... I don't speak a word of Italian, but when the Holy Spirit fell on me that day, I was speaking perfect Italian, and somebody from Italy could understand exactly what I was saying, even though I didn't know what I was saying. Monte might not speak a word of German, but on that day, the Spirit of the Lord fell on Monte. He was speaking perfect Germany, German, and people who understood German could understand him. I don't know that Brenda speaks any Spanish, but on that day, the Holy Spirit fell on her. She was speaking perfect Spanish. And all those who understood Spanish could understand what she was saying. So, the speaking in tongues is the ability to speak in natural or supernatural languages that you don't know, but others may understand. Now, also, the reason why I say natural and supernatural, because we also know from the Bible that there is a point in time where the Holy Spirit will speak to the Lord directly in, in utterances that we can't understand. That's what, we, okay, so when people say speaking in tongues, there's two types of speaking in tongues. There's the speaking in tongues where you and I are speaking a language that we don't know, but somebody else can understand it. But there's another type of speaking in tongues where it's not us doing the speaking, it's the Holy Spirit speaking through us, and he's speaking directly to the Lord. And he's saying, he's talking directly to the Lord, and we don't understand what we're saying. We're just, we're just flowing in, in whatever he's flowing with until he's finished with us. The Lord understands it, but we don't, and other folks don't understand it either, okay? So let's keep that in mind. All right, then the last gift he mentions is uh, the gift of the Holy Spirit from Corinthians uh, 12, interpretation of tongues. That's the ability to understand natural or supernatural languages that the speaker doesn't. Now, and if you go to Chapter 14 of First uh, Corinthians, and I'll just ask you to read that at your own leisure. Paul goes into more details about speaking in tongues and prophecy. But let me just share this real quickly. There is a gift of the Holy Spirit that you have the ability to interpret tongues. In other words, somebody that's speaking in tongues, and it's the Holy Spirit speaking to the Father, there is a gift that the Holy Spirit can give you that you can understand it, and you can tell people what he's saying. 
Why does he do that? He does that for edification, and that's why I say you got to go to chapter 14. I'm not going to get into that this morning. But if you go to chapter 14, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, you can read all about it. There are times when the Lord wants to speak to us, and he speaks to us through people that he gives the gift of speaking in tongues. But if we don't know what they're saying, how can we be blessed, right? So there is a gift also of being able to interpret unknown tongues. So that when the Lord wants to edify a group of church folks, it could be in a church service, be two or three gathered together somewhere, somebody will have the gift of speaking in tongues in that unknown tongue, and somebody else will have the gift of interpreting it so that people will know what's being said. All right, now, I know all that sounds super high-level, highbrow, but I'm sharing it with you because these are gifts of the Holy Spirit, and we need to understand. The Holy Spirit doesn't just come into our lives and, 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 you know, just to make us more holy. No, the Holy Spirit comes into our lives to make us better servants of the Most High God. Amen now. All right, so you can read about uh, speaking in tongues and prophecy in verse number 14. Uh, but then it's really interesting. It's really interesting that between ver- uh, chapter 12 and chapter 14, chapter 14, between chapter 12 and chapter 14, there's what? Chapter 13. And that's that very famous chapter that most of us know that's about love, right? And that's when Paul makes it crystal clear that we need agape love more than any spiritual gift. And I'm not going to go into that right now either, but I'm just saying, you read chapter 12, which is where we are. If you go over to chapter 14, and Paul talks more about the gifts of prophecy and speaking in tongues, but between 12 and 14, there's 13, and Paul says very clearly, more than any spiritual gift, What we need to do as Christians is have God's agape love for one another and for others. Because Paul says, I don't care what spiritual gift you have, if you you don't use it in love, and if you don't have love in you, it's useless. God wants us to love each other above everything else. I just want to make that point. Now, I want to go ahead and finish here. I don't want anybody to think that, okay, well, Pastor, you just read about, uh, you just talked about the spiritual gifts of wisdom and knowledge and faith and healing and miracles and prophecy and distinguishing spirits and speaking in tongues and interpretation of tongues. And, And I don't think I have any of those spiritual gifts. That's okay. I got good news for you. Amen. Now, I just shared those nine Holy Spirit gifts from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And if you don't think you have any of them, that's okay, because there are some more spiritual gifts. You go to the book of Romans. It just so happens God made it be chapter 12 too. Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. We find another list of spiritual gifts, and you do have at least one of these. Now, this list I'm getting ready to share with you right now, every one of us has at least one of these spiritual gifts. Book of Romans chapter 12 beginning with verse number three. First of all, in verse number three, Romans 12, first of all, Paul says he warns us, and this is a warning we need to all heed. He warns us to not think that we're something special or not to think we're better than anybody else because we have spiritual gifts. Because why? He says because we all need each other. There are some things Miss Claudine can do better than I could ever think to do. There are some things Brother James can do that I can't do. There's some things that uh, the Sister Audrey can do or some information and knowledge she has, some life experiences she has that I don't have. Brother George doing those stuff that he's probably forgotten more than I'll ever know. 
But then there's also something that I may contribute, and when we all get together, we can bless each other. So Paul is very clear in, in Romans 12 and 3, that first, first verse number, number 3, he says, don't, don't you get hot-headed and arrogant and big-headed thinking you're something special because you got spiritual gifts because we all need each other. But then he goes on to talk about um, these other spiritual gifts that Holy Spirit has given us in his grace. And like I said, every one of us sitting here, if you're saved, you've got one of these gifts. First of all, he talks about the gift of prophecy. Now, prophecy we already talked about in, in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 12. Let me tell you about this prophecy. This is from the Life Application Study Bible. We know that prophecy means to be able to talk about or knowledge to talk about future events, right? But par- prophecy also means preaching. Amen. Prophecy also means preaching. So when you say prophecy and somebody's a prophet, they could be a prophet that they have the ability to see the future or share information in the future, but it could also simply mean that that man or that woman has the gifting of preaching. How do I know that? Because in the book of Joel, in the Old Testament, Joel chapter 2, verse 28, and the same thing is found in Acts 2 and 17. That's when the prophet said that in the last days, God said, in the last days, my spirit is going to fall upon all flesh. He said, and your sons and your daughters shall what? They shall prophesy. People who don't believe that women should be preaching, I don't know what Bible you're reading. Because Joel says it in 2 and 28, and Paul turns around and quotes Joel in Acts chapter 2 and 17, where it says, he quoted the scripture, God says, my spirit will fall upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Prophesy doesn't just mean talking about the ability to see future events. Prophecy in the Bible also means the ability to preach. So, yes, women are called to preach. I didn't, I'm not getting on that, but I just want to make sure we understand that about prophecy. Somebody keeps telling you, women are not supposed to preach. Where is it in the Bible? It's in Joel 2 and 28. It's in Acts 2 and 17. If you do your research and find out what the word prophecy means, go read it in the Greek. It'll tell you in the Hebrew. Prophecy is both things. It's, it's that ability to see into the future and, you know, discern future events, but it's also about preaching. So, one of the gifts of the Holy, another gift of the Holy Spirit found here in Romans 12, 3 and 8 is prophecy. Another one is serving. A lot of y'all have the gift of serving. To God be the glory. Thank God for people who have the gift of serving. People who don't mind making time out of their busy schedules to go help somebody. People who you don't have to ask them and beg them and plead with them to do stuff. They see something needs to be done and they just step up and start doing it. Amen. That's a spiritual gift. It's not just because you're a nice man or you're a nice woman. It could be that, but it's also a spiritual gift. Serving others, matter of fact, serving is one of the highest callings you can have. Because Jesus Christ himself said that he was the servant of all. Amen. So serving is another gift of the Holy Spirit. Teaching. Teaching is another gift of the Holy Spirit, according to Romans 12, uh, 3 through 8. And some of us have the gift of teaching. We come here on Sunday mornings or a Bible study, Sunday school, or you hear people on the radio, on TV, and you know some folks, in your opinion, teach better than others. It's not that there's necessarily, there's, that has nothing to do with their spiritual knowledge, but some people can teach if you give them an outline and a manuscript, right, and they can follow along. 
But some people have the gift of teaching. When they start to teach, the Holy Spirit works with them supernaturally, and, it's a, and they explain it in a way that's much more clear, and it resonates with you. Why? Because it's the power of the Holy Spirit, because that's their gift. Others have the gift of encouraging. I know a lot of you all in this church have the gift of encouragement. I listen to you. I see you encouraging people. A lot of y'all encourage me, and I thank God for it. People need to be encouraged. You don't ever know when somebody's about to lose their mind. And something you say may encourage. Somebody could have just gotten a bad doctor's report. Somebody could have a situation in their home. Somebody could have a situation with their children. Y'all don't know the number of times God has had people come to Julia and myself about Lauren. God knows. People have just come out of nowhere and said, Reverend Horsley, Julia, or Edwin, Julia. Yeah, I, look, don't, look, don't worry about that. My child went through the same thing. It takes a little time, but just keep praying for it. it it's going to be all right. The Lord's going to make it all right. We needed that encouragement because sometimes we were ready to give up. But people came to us because God gave them the gift of encouragement. And you've had it in your life, too. You can think back when people encouraged you at a moment when you needed it most. That's a spiritual gift. There's another gift that calls contributing to the needs. In other words, that's the person who's willing to go into his pocket or her pocket, give money. They're willing to go to the store and buy food. They're willing to give somebody a ride. They're, whatever it is, they, they, they're willing to do whatever they can to try to make somebody else's life better. This is a spiritual gift. It's called contributing to the needs of others. And the Bible says when you have that gift, you should be generous with it. So give generously of your time. Give generously of, your, of money if that's what it needs at the time. Food, clothing, shelter, talents. I thank God that Roanoke Salem is a church that certainly has the gift of, con we have that contributing spirit because we don't mind giving to folks and we don't mind rolling up our sleeves and helping folks. And we've been criticized for doing it from both within the church and outside the church. But all I know is we keep doing it and God keeps blessing. That's all I know. So as long as I'm ignorant that way, I'm going to stay ignorant. We keep giving and God keeps blessing. That's all I can tell you. There's another gift that's called leadership. Again, you can find all these. I'm reading from the list. Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. That's why I'm coming. This list is from leadership. When you have the gift of leadership, it says you need to be diligent. That means you got to stick with it. Please believe me, when you are the leader of anything, I don't care if it's nothing but the weekly book club. Folk are going to not like how you lead. So you might as well just get a thick skin, but also realize that if God puts you in a position of leadership, God's with you. He's going to bless you. All we have to do, and it's hard sometimes, but it's to be diligent. How do we be diligent? Because God will send somebody to encourage us to hang in there. Amen. Amen. It all ties together. And then there's the gift of showing mercy. Now, this is the last one from, from Romans 12, 3 through 8, the gift of showing mercy. What is that gift? That's the gift of you not making a snap negative judgment about somebody because you don't know what's going on with them. See, and we are the worst church folk. We're the worst, Odessa. We're the worst now. We, will, we come to church every Sunday. We praise the Lord. We sing songs. We lift holy hands. Talk about how good God is to us. And then as soon as somebody says or does something that we got an issue with, We'll talk about them like a dog. And I'm not talking about anybody. I'm raising my hand on this because I'm guilty. I've been guilty of it too. But, the, but there is a spiritual gift called the gift of showing mercy. 
And it means that you are willing to give somebody the benefit of the doubt before you come to a, a final decision about what's going on. Because I don't know, DeVito. I don't know what's going on. I, all I know is what I see you do, what I hear you say. And I may not like it, and you could be wrong. But before I go to Marvin and tell him, DeVito ain't about nothing, this and that and the other thing, I need to be, take a deep breath and say, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. What about when I was out there like that? What about when I was in that same situation? Or what about when I added this one? Because the thing of it is, is I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on with you. The gift of mercy is being willing to show people, give them the benefit of the doubt, and be willing to, take, be willing to still try to help them or work with them anyway. Everybody ain't lovable. We know that. We know that. You ain't lovable all the time. Julia tell you, I'm not lovable all the time. I know y'all think so, but I'm not. She'll be the first to tell you. But she chooses to show me mercy and try to love me in spite of myself. Amen. That's the gift. There's a gift called showing mercy. So like I said, let me go over this list one more time. Romans 12, 3 and 8. Gift of prophecy, which is not only predicting the future, but teaching, but preaching, I'm sorry. The gift of serving others, the gift of teaching, the gift of encouraging the gift of contributing to the needs of others, that's being generous, the gift of leadership, and the gift of showing mercy. And everybody in this sanctuary right now, if you are saved, you have one of those gifts. You may have more than one, but you, you got at least one. And all of us have these gifts so that we can bless and help each other. And not only each other, so we can bless and help unsaved people too. Amen now. So here we go. When we use our spiritual gifts in the right way, Three things happen. When we, when we use our spiritual gifts in the right way, three things happen. First of all, Jehovah God is glorified. We glorify God when we use our spiritual gifts in the right way. I'm taking that based on 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. It says, whatever, it, it says something like this. It says, whatever you eat, whatever you drink, uh, whatever you do, do it uh, into, as to the honor and the glory of the Lord or for the Lord's glory. So, so whatever we do, eating, drinking, whatever we do, we do it for the honor and the glory of the Lord. When we use our spiritual gifts in the right way, God is glorified. Here's the second thing. When we use our spiritual strength in the right way, here's number two, we strengthen each other. We build each other up spiritually. Amen. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. When we use our spiritual gifts the right way, we strengthen each other. We build each other. When we serve each other, when we teach each other, when we encourage each other, when we help each other by contributing to the needs of whoever needs help, when we, when we lead, when we have the ability to lead and we do lead, we're, we're a blessing. And when we show mercy, all of us should show mercy. We bless each other and we bless unsaved people. Here's the final thing. When we use our spiritual gifts the last way, we can lead unsaved people to God. Amen. Matthews 5, verse 16. Matthew 5, verse 16. Jesus himself said, Let your light so shine before men that they will see your good works and glorify who? Your Father, which is in heaven. When we use our spiritual gifts the right way, we glorify God, we strengthen each other, we lead unsaved people to God. I close with these thoughts. And I know some of y'all saying, yeah, about time. I'm tired too, so that's why I'm closing. 
I done preached myself tired today, brother Jesse. Good gracious. Whew. About need some air up here. I'm close with these thoughts. The Holy Spirit gives us every Christian spiritual gift. Amen now. The Holy Spirit gives every Christian a spiritual gift. Sometimes we recognize our gifts early in life. Sometimes as children, people see our gift and know we recognize we have a gift. And then sometimes we don't even know if we have a gift, but I've just told you, if you're saved, you do have a gift. Sometimes we know we have a gift, but we're not sure what it is. But here's what I want you to do. If, you, if you're not sure what your spiritual gift is, I've already told you if you're saved, you got one. So if you're not sure what it is, pray in Jesus' name and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal your spiritual gift. Amen. Pray to ask the Lord to reveal your spiritual gift. And I believe that uh, if you ask the Holy Spirit, he will clearly show you the gift that he's given you. And the last thing I want to say is when you start using your spiritual gift, remember that your spiritual gift is not for you. Amen. Nothing that we should do, church family. I'm, I'm just, I had a bunch of things I was going to say. I ain't going to say but this one thing. Whatever spiritual gift we have or gifts we have, we should use them to glorify God. We should use them to strengthen ourselves and, and to bless people, right? We shouldn't use our spiritual gifts because we want folks to tell us how great we are. We, should, we, should, we shouldn't use our spiritual gifts. We should not only our spiritual gifts, our talents. Some of us can sing. Some of us can cook. Some of us can sew. Some of us can, 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 can lay carpets. Some of us can build houses. Some of us are electricians. Some of us can do all kinds of wonderful. Some of us are great on computers. Some of us are great with audio equipment. But whatever talent God has given us beyond our spiritual gift, none of that we should do for people to tell us how great we are. I, I'm not a senior pastor, but I've had a couple of young men come to me since I've become a, a, a pastor and they've said, well, you know, Reverend Horse, what do you think about it? And the only thing I say to them is simply this. Don't pre always preach for God's glory, not for man's uh, accolades. But just, just always preach for God's glory, not for the praise of man. Because if you preach for the praise of man, you're going to get your feelings hurt. Same thing for us. Don't do what you do that the Lord's blessed you to do because you want somebody to come back and talk about how good you are. That's wrong. Do it that God be glorified. But here's a here's good thing. I promise you this, and this is in the Word too, Brother Jesse. If you do it for the right reason, God will elevate you. God, God will make sure you're recognized. God will make sure that when the, at the right time, somebody will come and the people that need to be able to say, you know, we know what you've been doing, and we just want to say thank you. You will be recognized here on earth and in heaven, but you only do it so that God gets glorified. Amen. Jesus is always our example. Jesus had spiritual gifts, but Jesus didn't use his spiritual gifts for himself. He used his spiritual gifts for us. Amen now. Don't you know that when Jesus came into the world wrapped in human uh, flesh and blood and, and, um, and people talked about him and, and he could have said things and done things because he was Jesus, but because, and he had the spiritual ability to take folks out of here, but he didn't do that. Why? Because he wanted us to be blessed. He was our example. People cursed at Jesus, and he didn't even respond. People cursed at him, and he blessed them. His spiritual gifting was not for him, it was for us. What about when he went around and he did use his gift of prophecy? What about when he went around and he did use his gift of, of healing? What about when he went around and he did use his gift of encouragement? He didn't do it for himself. People talked about him, people loved him, he became a superstar, 
But he didn't do it for that reason. He did it because he wanted to glorify his father. He always said, all that I do, I do it to glorify my father, which is in heaven. What about even when it came time for him to die and folks spit on him and folks slapped him in his face and folks put a crown of thorns around his head and folks pulled the, beard, the hair out of his chin, out of his beard, and folks punched him. And then they took him outside and they beat him half to death, laid his back open raw. Jesus at any time could have stopped any of that, but he didn't do it because he knew the gift that he was. It wasn't for himself. It was for us. Jesus had the opportunity to end it all in the Garden of Eden when he was wrestling between his flesh and his spirit. And he could have told his father, Father, you know what? I ain't going to do this. You know why? Because he was equal to God, too. He wasn't just the son of God. He was God. And he could have said, I ain't going to do this. But because he was thinking about me, because he was thinking about Shakol, because he was thinking about J.J., because he was thinking about Charlotte, he was thinking about Kenny, he was thinking about uh, uh, Brother Calvin back there, he was thinking about Brother George Dewey. He took all that because he was doing it for us and not for himself. Let, him, let them put him on a cross. Put those, put those railroad stakes, I say all the time, ain't no nails. They put that in Jesus' hand. They put that in Jesus' feet. That's what he got driven in his hand. That's what he got driven in his feet. He could have stopped it, but he didn't. Because he knew he was a gift, and it wasn't for himself. It was for all of us. Went up on that cross, stayed up on that cross. Let him pierce him in his side till his blood flowed out, blood and water. Jesus stayed there because he was a spiritual gift, but it wasn't for himself. He did it for you and me. He gave up his life. They didn't kill Jesus. Jesus said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And then the last thing he said is, it's finished. When he said it was finished, that meant that all hatred was finished, all sickness was finished, all disease was finished, all unrighteousness was finished because he was the one and only blood sacrifice for the end of time. No more rams, no more bulls, no more doves. Nobody else ever had to die because when Jesus said it was finished, it was all over. He was a gift. Wasn't a gift to himself. He was a gift to you and me. Took him off that cross, let him put him in a borrowed tomb. Stayed there all the rest of Friday. Stayed there all Saturday. Stayed there all Saturday night. Bible says Jesus is such a good God. While he was in the grave, while his physical body was in the tomb, his spirit went down into hell and snatched the keys from the devil and set the captives free. Them folk were in hell because they belonged in hell. And Jesus went there and set them free. What a gift. Not for himself, but for us. Then he came back and on Sunday morning, he got up. On Sunday morning, Jesus got up. Church family, on Sunday morning, Jesus got up with all power in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And you know what? Even then, he still didn't keep it for himself. Because before he left here, he said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit back. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit so you won't be alone. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit so you won't be comfortless. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit so you'll be encouraged. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit so you have power to do even greater works than what I've done. That's the God we served. If he's our example and he didn't keep his gifts for himself, you and I dare not try to keep and hold our spiritual gifts for ourselves. Not for us to get praises of man, but for us to glorify God. Give God some praise on this morning.